Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Joel 2:28. It came to pass, it shall come to pass afterward. The King James says in the last days. Everybody say the last days. Anybody that doesn't think we're living in the last days is in ostrich land. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men see visions. My men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. In those days. This is blowing Joel's mind. Because in his days only the prophets prophesied. And in his day only the children of Abraham had a hope of anything from God. Now God's saying all flesh. Sons. Daughters. Servants. Males. Females. Verse 30. I will show wonders in the heavens above. And in the earth blood and fire. Pillars of smoke, sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And read verse 32 with me, will you? Here we go. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said. Among the remnant whom the Lord calls. How many glad God's still calling us today? He's calling us. He's saving us. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. My subject today on the occasion of the celebration of Pentecost Sunday, I would like to entitle The Greatest Sign of the Last Days. The Greatest Sign of the last days. Some of you know a gentleman by the name of Clayton Porter. I use a piece of his story by permission. I have a picture of him today. This is a remarkable man born in the 50s without arms. And if you feel sorry for him, you've never met him. Because whatever you can do, he can do it faster and better. He plays a guitar, harmonica. He can write his name. He can drive a car. I don't know if you want to ride with him, but. <laughs> and uh, here he is having lunch. Look at the expression on that kid's face. <laughs> so Clayton was driving his car, and he was pulled over by a police officer. And uh, he must have swerved or something. And uh, his car did not have power windows. So as the police officer was stepping up to the car, Clayton was rolling down the window. Police officer, you know, was hitching up his belt, you know, and pulled over another one to see what's going on in this car. And as he walks up, he sees a foot rolling down the window and, he said he put his hand on the, the door and he looked inside and did a double take. And Clayton 
never missed an opportunity for fun. He said, what's the matter, officer? Are you missing something? (laughs) I could regale you as many of you could in Clayton Porter's stories. But I have a public service announcement today. Any local church in Kansas City or anyone even around the world who may be tuned into this service today who is not expecting or preaching, if you're a preacher today, with the expectation that someone could and should and would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance is missing something. If you visited 10 churches online today in Kansas City and you listened to 10 sermons or messages, you may come away with 10 different ideas, opinions, or impressions about the significance of Pentecost Sunday. You may hear something like this. Well, Pentecost is clearly in the book of Acts, but it's not really for us today. Or you may hear, yes, there were miracles in the book of Acts, but miracles really don't take place anymore. You might hear a theologian say, well, yes, they spoke with tongues in the book of Acts, but that ceased in the mid-second century. You may hear something like, well, when visitors come to our church, we don't want to have to explain anything. So we don't want anybody acting crazy. We don't want anybody shouting or running the aisles. or you know, We don't want Kleenex boxes everywhere and people are shedding tears. You know, that's embarrassing. It's, we just want to have a regular church. You might hear something like, well, receiving the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues... You know, it's a second blessing, but it has nothing to do with your salvation or your justification. In fact, just right now, just repeat this prayer after me and you're good. Or you might hear, baptism in water, that's cool, that's nice. A good public gesture, but it really doesn't do anything for you. It just sort of, you know, it's like a splash party and, you know, you just, we just sort of celebrate. And So you, you might hear... You might hear various, and perhaps if you've sat in churches your whole life or at least a part of your life, you may have heard variations of some of the theologies that I have attempted to expose and to share with you today. But can I tell you that every single one of these statements or similar statements are biblically incorrect? But they are constantly repeated and constantly believed in Christianity. I wish somebody would just get out the Bible for themselves. Hallelujah. I had a brother come up to me after the 9 a.m. service today. And he said, I received the Holy Ghost in in a congregation of another faith. He said, I don't even know if they believed in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But that's where I received the Holy Ghost. And he said, I was baptized one way. 
But he said, when I got home, I opened up my Bible and my eyes fell on Acts 2.38 where Peter said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, I went back to church and I said, I've got to be baptized again. It wasn't right the first time. Can I tell you that God will satisfy the hungry heart? If your heart is honest, if you are in pursuit of the truth, he will reveal the truth. He will reveal his person. He will reveal the doctrine to you. Amen. Any of these theological positions are a flawed program to stand on. I'm thankful today that I am not just a Pentecostal by denomination, but I am a Pentecostal by experience. Now, I want to tell you today that if perhaps you're a guest here, that you have come into a real live Pentecostal worship encounter. But we don't just embrace Pentecostalism as a doctrine. We don't only embrace it as a style or a form or a denomination. Amen. But we embrace the Pentecostal encounter. We embrace the Pentecostal experience that happened on the day of Pentecost. Don't let anybody tell you that the Holy Spirit is not being poured out today. Don't let anybody tell you that nobody's received the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues the last 1,800 years because God shut it down in the second century. Oh, no. Joel said, even up till the coming of the Lord, even until the last days, God is going to be pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And I'm telling you that the greatest sign that we are living in the last days is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I'm happy to tell you that three in the 9 a.m. service were baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. And so God is still pouring out his spirit. Pentecostalism in the last 140 years has shaken the world. It has shaken Christianity. And not all Christians are happy about it. And not all theologians are happy about it. And not all leaders of entire denominations are happy about it. Pentecostalism has taken over South America. Oh, it's taken over the Hispanic culture, if I could say that. The Spanish-speaking people in South America. Why? Amen. Because Spanish-speaking people are tired of tradition. They're tired of man-made religions. They're tired of giving offerings to churches that have never helped them, that have never impacted them, that have never changed their life. And the Holy Spirit, amen, is jumping over denominational barriers. And even the Pope has had to make trips to South America to try to stem the tide. And I'm telling you, the Pope can't stop. It. Amen. The president can't stop it. Amen. It's unstoppable. It's the unstoppable force of God. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is falling all over the world. Time magazine in 2002 released a special edition called the top 100 events that have changed the world in the last millennium. And guess who made the top 100? 
Pentecostalism. The only problem is they listed it at 68. They missed it by 67 slots. Pentecostalism has upset the theological apple cart because it goes past back through the Reformation and it goes past back through the Great Awakening. And we celebrate what Wesley did and we celebrate what Luther did. We heard all this last weekend, amen. We celebrate all of these things, but they were simply taking us back to the beginning. These were steps that were taking us back to the beginning. Look, I celebrate Martin Luther, but he didn't even walk at all the light that was available to him because people were receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I celebrate all the good that John Calvin did, but even he didn't walk in all the light of the revelation that was available to him. In fact, he, he, he executed one of our forefathers at the stake because he believed that Jesus was the mighty God and he spoke with other tongues. Oh, I want to tell you, friend, I'm not stopping in the 18th century. I'm not stopping in the 16th century. I'm not stopping in the 10th century. I'm going all the way back to the first century. I want to know what the apostle believed. I want to know what the apostles had. I want to know what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Pentecost is more than style. It's more than form. It's more than fashion. Tony Campolo wrote a book years ago, How to Be Pentecostal Without Speaking with Tongues. He was sort of salving the wounds of the pastors of traditional churches where George Barna said 53,000 a week are leaving them. And it's even more now during COVID. Do you know that denominations are closing their buildings and people are not coming back? By God, we're coming back. Hallelujah. And we are back. Yeah. You're going to be able to buy, if you're looking for a building for a church or a business, Talk to one of the realtors in this church because church buildings are going to be available at pennies on the dollar because people in denominationalism are not committed if they don't have an encounter with God, if they don't know that it's real, if they just believe it because mom and dad believed it, if they just believe it because it's a part of a Sunday morning tradition. Let me tell you something, friend. Pentecost, amen, is not a denomination. Pentecost is an encounter. It's an experience that will change your life that nobody can Take it away from you. It will change you forever. (laughs) Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. It's a heartfelt encounter with God. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost and he quoted Joel Chapter 2, verse 28. He reached back 800 years and he brought a prophecy into real time. Joel was looking for it. Joel was waiting for it. Can I tell you something? Throughout the Old Testament, the message is something is coming. Something is coming. Something is coming. 
Isaiah said, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. Jeremiah said, a new spirit I'm going to put within them. Amen. Moses said, he's going to write it in tablets of the flesh, in tablets of the heart. Something is coming. Something is coming. But after the day of Pentecost, there's a shift in the word of God. And now it's it's come. It's here. It's it's visited us. It is now and it is forever. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad that something came and something is still here and something continues to come. Man, I'm about ready to explode up here. Woo. Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter's saying, this isn't nothing new. The prophets saw it. Isaiah saw it. Jeremiah saw it. Joel saw it. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. Listen, I have a question for you today. Are you saved by your obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here's how you know that. If your gospel, if you can say like Peter said, this, what you received, is that which was spoken in the word of God. Let me tell you how it works. The word of God is the logos. It's the sum total of God's thoughts, his envisaging, and his message to us. But there's another word for word in the Bible. It's rhema. The rhema is a portion of the Logos that is spoken with the mouth and believed in the heart. And it becomes the sword of the Spirit. It becomes a quickening. And the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It can pierce to the dividing asunder as soul and spirit and separates the joints from the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is reading your mail right now and the Word of God is telling you it's time to have a this for your that. ho <laughs> If you said, well, I know I'm saved because I repeated the sinner's prayer and the preacher told me you're saved. Listen, that's fine. That's good. I'm not taking that away from anybody, but that this doesn't have a that. <laughs> Woo. They say, well, I got baptized. I was sprinkled. Well, we're not taking that away from anybody, but that this doesn't have a that. You say, well, I felt goosebumped. It felt like oil ran all up and down my spine. I felt like kicking my shoes off. I know I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, we thank God for the Holy Ghost that you can feel, but that's not the evidence, amen, that you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible is clear. The Bible is consistent. When you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Peter said you're gonna see it. He said you're gonna hear it. Jesus told Nicodemus, there's going to be a sound. I've come to ask you today, does your this have a that? Turn and point your finger at somebody and say, your this has got to have a that. <laughs> I don't know if you're having fun, but I'm having a blast. Whew. A church without Pentecost is missing something.
Because Pentecost is where the church began. It's the model for all Christianity. One day Jesus was having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus who was not just your run-of-the-mill guy, but he was a member of what was called the Sanhedrin. It was a ruling body of 70 men who had the final say in all things religious and civil. In the community, he was a doctor of the law. It means he was educated. He was religious. In fact, he was not just in the 70, but he occupied one of the top four seats of the 70. He was a chief leader of the highest ruling body in the community. Jesus told that guy, you are missing something. That's pretty courageous. He told a son of Abraham, one of the top four men in the religious community, you are missing something. And you can't get into the kingdom of God unless you are born of the water and of the spirit. I'm so glad everybody's here today. You may be religious. Your grandpa may have been a pastor for 50 years. You may have graduated from a prestigious seminary with a PhD. You may have attended church your entire life. You may be trained by the finest Sunday school teachers in all the world. But if you have not repented of your sins, if you have not been baptized yet in the only saving name, the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, if you have not yet been gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues, just like it happened, amen, in the scripture. My friend, I love you. I celebrate you. I don't take anything away from you, but I'm telling you that you are living beneath your privilege as a believer and God has something more for you. There's still something missing. Everybody all right? <laughs> the Bible said in Joel, the text we read, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means everybody. God is no respecter of persons. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone's invited. Jesus said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord said that. Amen. But can I tell you that when you call on the name of the Lord, it's always and without exception at the moment of water baptism. Calling on the Lord is not the sinner's prayer. Calling on the Lord is confession that there's only one Savior who can wash away your sins. Amen. And somebody at the moment of your baptism better be calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. Not on the titles, Father, Son, or Holy Ghost. 
I'm not going to take that away from anybody either. If you've been baptized in the titles, I thank God that you're one step further than a lot of other people are. But I got to tell you what Peter said in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I got to tell you what Paul said in Colossians 3.17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Jesus and I've got to ask you today I know you were baptized but was it by immersion and was it in the name of Jesus Christ if it wasn't you're missing something and you don't want to leave this world without it and you don't want to be at the coming of the Lord without it you've got to have it if you believe it clap your hands to the Lord (laughs) yeah Calling on the Lord is the confession at baptism. Acts twenty two sixteen. Why are you tearing? Rise and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. I don't have nightmares because I don't watch creepy movies. <laughs> I don't have nightmares. The closest thing I've ever had to a nightmare, I've had it three times, identical dream is I'm at a conference full of my colleagues, hundreds and thousands of them. And we're at the conference hotel. And I got my suit coat on and my white shirt and my tie and I got my socks and shoes on, but I'm missing something. My suit pants. And I'm in the lobby And I'm hiding behind everything I can find. I'm hiding behind flowers and couches and chairs and people. And I'm thinking, what in the name of God is going on? Where for the life of me are my suit pants? That's a nightmare. (laughs) Woo. I had a bad dream last night. I dreamed I was supposed to be preaching at a conference and I couldn't find my Bible. I had my notes in it. <laughs> That's a nightmare for a preacher. And I wake up from them things, I'm like, oh, thank God. Listen, something worse than a bad dream like that. Jesus said in Matthew twenty two eleven, 11, told the story about a man who was standing at the door of the wedding, expecting to just walk in. He was informed that there was a certain garment you had to have on. He said, no, I don't think I need that. He was informed that there was a certain way he needed to appear. But he thought, no, I don't need that. I'll be good. I'll be good. And he's at the door and he's knocking on it. And the, and the maitre d' looks at him and says, you don't have the wedding garment on. You're out of here. You don't, you're not allowed in. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said in that day, many will say, Lord, Didn't we cast out devils and didn't we do miracles and all this great stuff? And Jesus is going to look at them. Listen, Jesus, the nice one, the loving one, the forgiving one. He's going to look at them and say, I don't know who you are. You are missing something. 
You're missing a relationship. How do you have a relationship with God? Can I tell you something? You cannot get into covenant with God. In the Old Testament, you had to be circumcised and nothing has changed in the New Testament except circumcision now. Paul said, is baptism by water and it's in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you don't have baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, you may be knocking at the door, amen, and you're not going to be allowed. I hate to be this way but it's what Jesus said he said I don't know who you are you did cool stuff in my name depart from me he called them workers of iniquity they're missing some Matthew 25 10 virgins five are wise five are foolish the wise have oil to burn through the night the foolish do not have enough oil they're out partying having a big time the bridegroom comes while they're out Because they're missing oil. By the time they get back, he's already come and gone. Matthew 25, the one talented man did not invest his talent. He was missing faithfulness and commitment and productivity and giving a return for his Lord's investment in him. Jesus said in in Luke 17, two would be asleep in a bed, two would be grinding at the mill, two would be working in the field, and one's going to be taken and the other left. What is Jesus telling us? He's telling us you want to have the wedding garment on. He's telling us you want to obey the full gospel. He's telling us don't just be a Christian and go to church, but make sure that you're born again of the water and of the spirit because at the moment of the rapture, it's going to be too late. At the moment that you die, it's going to be too late. And I'm sorry to be so dramatic here today, but I'm preaching the word of God to you today. This is Pentecost Sunday. Why not be baptized? Don't leave home without it. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul did not have the advantage of the original 12 apostles. They had been mentored personally by Jesus for three and a half years. Paul was doing other things. Jesus made disciples out of them by living in community with them. Paul had no such opportunity. How did he stack up against the original 12? Was he any less an apostle? Did he have the same information the original 12 did? Were they superior to him in any way? Was he missing anything? 1 Corinthians 15 Verse 3, Paul said, I delivered to you that which I received, that Christ died for our sins. Everybody say, Christ died. He was buried. Say, he was buried. Say, he rose again. That is the gospel. That's the gospel. Anybody that's only repentant has left Jesus in the grave. <laughs> He's got to come out of that grave you got to get buried with him. Paul said that in Romans 6, 4. We are buried with him by baptism into death. Anybody that's repented, you've been crucified with Christ, you've been buried in the name of Jesus Christ, but you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, you haven't come out of the grave yet. Paul said in in the book of Romans chapter 8, I think it's verse 11, he said that the Spirit is the power of the resurrection. 
The Holy Spirit is the power of the resurrection in you. My friend, the gospel of Jesus Christ is to die through repentance, be buried through baptism, and be filled with the Spirit. Amen. To resurrect from the dead, as it were, through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 5, he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, seen by five hundred. Verse 7, he was seen by James and all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Paul was saying, I'm sort of a Johnny come lately. I had to catch up. But I'm wondering if I got it all. I'm wondering if I'm missing something. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 11, have I not seen Jesus Christ, the Lord? So perhaps there was a question in Paul's mind how he stacked up against the other apostles. And I'm so glad he brought it to a conclusion in Galatians 1.11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came to me through the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying was, is that I got my gospel from the same source that they got their gospel. I got my doctrine from the same source they got their doctrine. I didn't just go to another man. I went back to the source, Jesus Christ. He appeared to me on the road to Damascus, and he appeared to me in the desert of Arabia. Verse 18, after three years, I went to Jerusalem to compare notes with Peter. And I remained with him 15 days. And finally, 2 Corinthians 12, 11, I ought to have been commended by you. For in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles. Paul came behind in nothing. Paul was missing Nothing. I have an announcement today. It's a public service announcement. Amen. I say this humbly. I'm not bragging. Like Paul, I'm the least of anyone. But I've compared my doctrine to the apostles' doctrine. I've compared the gospel that I preach to what the apostles preach. I've compared, amen, what I believe to be the truth to what the apostles preached. And not every preacher in Kansas City can say this with conviction today because they're not preaching what the apostles preached, but I'm preaching it, amen. Every time that anybody got saved in the only book of church history, which is the book of Acts, they repented. They were baptized in the name of the Lord and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. This will save a nation, Aaron and Michelle. This will save, amen, your nation in Montana. It will reach to any nation. This gospel, I've preached it in Acts. Africa. I preach it in India. I preach it in Europe. I preach it in South America. I preach it in North America. It will save to the uttermost. It will work for the in and outs. It will work for the down and outs. The gospel is the saving message of Jesus Christ. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, we've come behind in nothing. In nothing. The impulse of Pentecost is to go back to the beginning. I want to go back to the first church. I'm not stopping at the Reformation. I'm not stopping at the Great Awakening. I'm not stopping 
and Charles Finney, John Wesley, Swingley, Luther, Spurgeon. I celebrate all their revelation, but I'm not stopping there. I'm going back to the original. <laughs> In the first church, sinners repented. Sinners that repented became believers. Believers were baptized. And baptized believers were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in the book of Acts, when you, when you there are people that are missing something. Now that something more has come. In chapter 6, the Bible says a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Come on. They were missing something. These were men that were familiar with the tabernacle and with the temple. They knew about the altar of incense and the brazen altar and the laver of water and the golden candlestick and, and the altar of incense. And they knew about the holy of holy, but they were still missing something. And they found it. They were obedient. Acts chapter 8. There's a man from Ethiopia. He's missing something. Peter, excuse me, Philip joins him. Runs alongside his chariot. Hops up in there. And he's missing water baptism in the name of Jesus. And Philip preaches Jesus to him. In a desert out of Isaiah. And the Ethiopian says, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized right now? He was missing something. Listen, don't miss baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. In fact, I'm going to do what Peter did to Cornelius. I'm going to command some believer today. I'm commanding you in the name of Jesus Christ to be baptized in the name of the Lord. <laughs> In Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus is missing something. And God sends a certain disciple, Ananias. He prays for him. His eyes open up. Ananias baptizes him. Paul, Saul receives the Holy Spirit right there. He immediately begins to preach. Acts chapter 10. If you think Cornelius was not a fine believer... He prayed to God always. He feared God with all his house. He gave much alms to the people. He had marvelous qualities. But when Peter came, Peter said, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. And while he yet preached unto them, the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius. Why? Because he didn't have it yet. And he needed it. In Acts 18, Apollos is preaching to Aquila and Priscilla. Hear him. They take him aside and say, have you heard about this? Have you heard about that? They expounded unto him the word of God more carefully. Acts 19, Paul comes to the elders in Ephesus. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They were missing something. They said, we hadn't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he laid his hands on them and they were filled. Are you missing anything today? Don't come behind in any privilege of any believer. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the greatest sign of the coming of the Lord. COVID-19 shut the world down and took control. It's a precursor to the Antichrist, but that's not the greatest sign that we're in the last days.
Nation rising against nation, that's ethnicity against ethnicity, but that's not the greatest sign of the la- that we're living in the last days. Many offended, frivolous lawsuits abound, but that's not the greatest sign. Earthquakes, wars, famines, rumors of wars, that's not the greatest sign. Gender reassignment is the greatest assault on the order of creation that the world has ever seen. But that is not yet the greatest sign that we are living in the last days. Paul said there's going to come a falling away first. Let me tell you something. That's not the church. That's not believers. That's the great rebellion against the creator. Everybody all right? I get pretty excited sometimes and I have to slow down and make sure you're okay. (laughs) Listen. Hamas... Fire your missiles, but you're poking your finger in God's eye. Iran, Iraq, Syria, Egypt, load up your tanks and your guns, but you will never defeat the nation of Israel. The angel Michael stands ready to fight for you like an iron dome. Your tanks are going to bog down. Your guns are going to jam. Your missiles are going to be interrupted. Woe unto that nation that fights the nation of Israel. And if you want to know what time it is on God's time clock, keep your eye on Jerusalem. (laughs) But those are not the greatest signs. Greatest sign that we're in the last day the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? Jesus is coming. We are the rapture generation. Rapture means catching away. And after the catching away of the church, God is going to pour out his wrath on this earth. That's another kind of pouring out. But until that day, he's going to be pouring out the Holy Ghost. I'd rather have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit than the outpouring of the wrath of God. You know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, don't be amazed that I tell you you need to be born again. He said, let me explain something about the spirit baptism. He said, in John 3, 8, the wind blows where it wants to. And you hear the sound of the wind. You don't know where it came from or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Everyone. There is a universal sound of everyone. That is born of the Spirit. I had somebody tell me one time, well, no, no, there's nine gifts of the Spirit. And they all manifest and are evidence that someone's been filled with the Spirit. No, 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 no. No. That's a different word for gift. That's not the word for the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the baptism of the Spirit before you become a candidate for one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. (laughs) <laughs> I 
Jesus said, Nicodemus, you're going to hear the sound. That word sound is the Greek word phone, from which we get our word phonics. There's going to be a universal sound like phonics, like language, like speaking. And it's not going to be 10% get this one and 10% get that one and some don't get nothing. They just know it by faith. Oh, no, no, no. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I tell you something. It is your privilege today to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of Pentecostal denominations today. The largest one in the world Only about 30% of them are baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with tongues. That's their statistics, not mine. But do you know that in a congregation of our organization, probably 90% or more have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me it doesn't make a difference. It makes a difference. I don't take anything away from anybody. But I felt impressed in prayer this week. If you're watching right now, don't be missing out. In just a moment, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out in this place. And if you'll do what we do, God will give you what he gives us. Amen. He will walk the miles. He will cross, amen, denominational lines. He will cross into Kansas. He'll go into Oklahoma. He'll go into Illinois. If you're watching in Africa, he can reach you there. Let's close our eyes and have a prayer right now. Lord, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you, Lord, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that is falling in this place right now. Lord, I just pray over anyone that's missing it, that they will not leave this house missing it today. It's their privilege. It's for them and for their children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Lord, in the moment we're going to speak a word of faith and the Holy Spirit is going to fall and God is going to baptize believers. (laughs) Young people, children, Lord, an eight and a ten-year-old received the Holy Spirit this morning along with an adult male. We thank you for it. We celebrate it. Lord, it will happen again. Praise God. I'm doing this unprepared Simeon 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 come here step up here jump up here he and his wife Nusheen received the Holy Ghost in August both in the water when they came out of the water God filled them with the Holy Ghost It's changed your life. Change your life. Simeon, what did it feel like when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Undescribable. How That's do you all know? I could say. How do you know you received it? Out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water. It felt like a river. What did it sound like? Unspeakable tongues. <laughs> yeah, I can't describe it. 
You didn't make it up. I didn't make it up. You didn't create it. I didn't create it. It came from God. It did. Did it feel supernatural? It did. Did it feel like he loved you? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. What God did for him, he'll do for anybody. So if you want a blessing from the Lord today, I want you to come right now. If you want to be filled, you want to be blessed, you want to repent, you want to touch God, I want you to come on up here. Come on. Parents, bring your kids. Children, receive the Holy Ghost this morning. Come forward. Nobody's going to lay hands on you. Nobody's going to touch you. Just come and stand shoulder to shoulder all the way across the front. That's great. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. I was told that there was a woman named Connie who was going to come today and she couldn't make it. I don't know if she's watching or not. But Connie, according to your faith, so be it unto you. God's going to pour out his spirit. Look at this. Look at this. Hey, anybody excited about this outpouring right now? Oh, yeah. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. All right, everybody that's come forward, listen to me carefully. Please listen. Very simple. We're going to repent of our sins. We're going to ask God to forgive us of our sins. That's sort of cleansing the house. We're throwing everything out that's not like Jesus. Everything that we know that convicts us, we're just going to ask God to forgive us of our sins. And then, after we're done with that, God is going to pour out his spirit. Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confess them. I confess that I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Thank you for suffering and bleeding and dying for me. Come on, in your own words, tell him. Open your mouth. You've got to confess it. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to tell him, I'm sorry. I can't do that for you. I can't do that for you. You've got to do that for yourself. Don't just think it. Go ahead and say it. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Oh, Lord, it's getting ready to fall in this place. Forgive me of my sins right now, Lord. I'm a sinner. Lord, I need grace now, Lord, to be forgiven. If I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come on, let it be heartfelt. If a tear falls, let it fall. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Come on, you've got to say it. You've got to say it. You've got to open your mouth. That's what the Bible says. You have to confess it. Yes, yes, that's it. That's it, that's it. That's it. If you feel like God's forgiven you, if you feel release of the weight of that sin, if you feel better in your spirit right now because you ask him to forgive you, why don't you just begin to celebrate it and thank him for it. Amen. Thank him for forgiving you. Thank him for being merciful right now. Hallelujah. That's it. Thank him for it. Thank him for it. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me give you two more quick instructions. If you have gum in your mouth, I would suggest you remove the distraction or swallow it or something. 
Amen. So you don't be worrying about that. We got Kleenexes behind these planters. That's it. Bring a couple of them. Spread them around. Okay, second thing I want to tell you. In just a moment, we're going to shout Jesus. We're going to, everybody say Jesus. In a moment, we're going to shout like this. Jesus! I know I got a big mouth. But that's how I want you to shout it. You're calling on Jesus. You know, the Bible says he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. When you call on him, he's going to fill you. And you are going to know it. And nobody will have to tell you. Because you will hear it. And we will see it. You will speak in a language you don't know. It may sound like baby talk. We don't care about that. Just let it flow. Like Simeon just said, it was like something that came up like a river that came out of his innermost being and flowed out like a river in tongues. That was his experience. That's his testimony. Now you're going to have your own testimony. Are you ready? Come on. Are you ready to receive the Holy Spirit? Are you ready? Come on. Amen. Are you ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe it's going to come? Yes, it will. Yes, it will. I want this whole church to lift your hands right now. And I'm going to count to three. And we're going to shout Jesus. Are you ready? One, two, three. Jesus! Come on, open your mouth. Shout Jesus. That's it, sir. Forget about who's around you now. That's it. I see it. It's coming right now. Right now. Yes. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Right there. That's it. Let it flow. There's one. There's one. That's it. Yes. Yes. There's another one. I see it. I see it. I see it. 